Greetings and welcome to the Mount Rushmore podcast. My name is Jeff, and as always, I'm joined by my good buddies Richard. Hello. And Michael. Howdy. Uh, guys, be cool, but I think somebody's listening. Do you think somebody's listening? <laughs> no, no, I, our podcast no, listening. Listening. No. Thank you. <laughs> our downloads have proven nobody's listening. Well, uh, that is a conspiracy I have that we've somehow been shadow banned from um, the podverse. And conspiracies are something that we've touched on a few times uh, in the six years we've been doing the Mount Rushmore podcast. For those of you who were uh, down uh, with us um, uh, at episode 31, I guess we talked about hoaxes. So we were kind of flirting around the topic of conspiracies. And then episode 51, we actually tackled it forthright and, and admitted that we do get suckered in because it was episode 51 was conspiracy theories that we kind of believe. Um, but uh, we have been lately inspired to tackle uh, the topic again uh, with the Mount Rushmore, and this is this episode's topic, the Mount Rushmore of the craziest conspiracy theories, but we're bringing in uh, somewhat uh, of an expert and a person who has a very uh, thriving and exciting and incredibly immaculately produced podcast. And that person would be fearful Jesuit of the paranoid strain. Fearful, how are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. We are very grateful for you to come on the podcast. Uh, we would love for our listeners to find out right away uh, what your podcast is about and, and where they can find it. Oh, well, uh, thanks so much. Um, it's called The Paranoid Strain. It is on all of the regular podcast things. The way you can recognize it is my logo is a terrified eyeball staring through the blinds <laughs> at whatever is scaring conspiracy theorists. Um, I've been... I've been doing the show for about five years. The first uh, several years I was doing one show every two months and they were uh, they would range in length from like an hour to three and a half hours. Uh, the longest being um, about like JFK or the concept of reality. Um, but uh, I have in the past couple of years broken them down to um, half hour-ish chunks every two weeks, but I designed them so that they all tell one long story. So um, for example, last year, um, I ended up with a 12 and a half hour um, epic about the history of secret societies that I'm real proud of. Um, right now, I am in uh, a production uh, hiatus for like six or seven weeks, which is what I do every time I start gearing up for a new thing. And I'm doing a new series that I'm calling QAnon, How We Got Here, um, oh, Yeah, which, uh, uh, which I, I'm going to try and trace all of the threads that led to QAnon or that QAnon has absorbed or that QAnon is inspiring. And I'm going to talk about that until I get sick of it. Um, <laughs> and so, so that'll probably be another, uh, another year or so of, uh, of content. But uh, right now, for example, I'm interviewing a friend who is, uh, happens to be an expert on the Federal Reserve, um, which has uh, all kinds of conspiracies about it. But he can also tell you that there's all sorts of stuff that um, people are ignoring that actually is stuff that that legitimately with evidence is uh, like problems with the culture or the way that the, the Federal Reserve thinks of itself or communicates with the public. And so I'm trying to sort of draw the distinction between the, um, the threads of insanity that people yell about these things and what actually happens. So whenever I use the tagline for the show, it's the show that explains conspiracy theories to normal people. I am not interested in convincing the convinced that that uh, pod, that conspiracy theories are. If they're convinced conspiracy theories are true, I'm not talking about it. I'm just explaining to other people why all this weird stuff keeps going on around them. Yeah, well, that's that's what I think. Uh, uh, one thing I think is interesting is the psychology. And so in your explaining, perhaps you have an insight into the mindset of a person who has embraced a conspiracy theory. And I, I imagine there are a number of different profiles, but uh, is, is that something that you can give us primer on the why? Well, um, I, I, don't, I don't know that there's a single um, uh, psychological profile and it kind of depends on how deep into this stuff people get. Um, I actually had the opportunity to it, uh, interview a listener who had just sort of gotten himself out of a QAnon um, uh, belief cycle that he got into because he was genuinely concerned about like the trafficking of kids. So he, uh, you know, people just sort of preyed on his natural, uh, you know, very respectable and uh, honorable 
um, wish to try and help underprivileged people who were being, you know, preyed upon. Um, and then they got him into this belief set that is just completely insane. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I will say that I've learned some, that over the course of the years, I've learned several things that really surprised me. One of which is that a lot of people who believe conspiracy theories are not dumb, but rather really, really intelligent because it, once you start believing something, if you're really smart, you can build a lot more defenses around your irrational beliefs so that you can't as easily be talked out of them. Oh, that's and interesting. So, yeah. So, so, I mean, it's not universally true. Some people just believe anything they, they, they hear that sounds weird, but, um, <laughs> but there, there are a lot of folks who have really elaborate um, defenses that they have built up. I mean, when you're believing something that's completely cuckoo bananas, uh, you almost have to, if you're going to look at yourself in the mirror. Mm-hmm. And then there, you know, and there different conspiracies are different, right? So we're going to talk about some of the craziest, but there are some that are simply not particularly crazy. For example, um, I did three and a half hours on JFK. This is because I think that the overwhelming evidence says that Oswald shot JFK with three bullets from the book depository, end of story. However, it is eminently reasonable for people to believe a different story about that. It is not eminently reasonable for people to believe the earth is flat. You know, yeah. those are two completely different scenarios. Mm-hmm. And basically everything kind of falls into one of those areas. So a person can be totally psychologically normal and believe uh, JFK conspiracy theories. Flat Earth, maybe that's less likely to be true. Yeah. <laughs> you know, okay. like there's it, no it's, one. It's a, no, it's a, it's a broad swap when you're talking about conspiracy theories. It's a, it's a lot of different things. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, it's uh, if if we have any more insight uh, as we discuss our individual uh, choices, maybe we can uh, kind of uh, use that as a color commentary. But uh, fearful, we are privileged to have you on the show, and guests always go first. So, what is your first choice for craziest conspiracy theories? Okay, so I'm trying to do this in ascending order. So I guess um, this one would be the Teddy Roosevelt of this um, Rushmore. <laughs> And I'm kind of cheating because it's a, it's, it's a very specific sort of conspiracy theory, but it's called Valus. And uh, I'm going to try and give you the brief version. You ever heard of Philip K. Dick? Oh, sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he was super brilliant and also uh, suffered from various episodes throughout his life, maybe having to do with drug use, maybe having to do with mental illness. But there was this event that happened in between February and March of 1974 that he basically wrote and thought and uh, was just obsessed with for the rest of his life, which I believe he died in 82. So he believed that his brain was pierced by a pink light from an, uh, an extraterrestrial satellite orbiting outside of, I think it was outside of the moon, but I'm not positive, that fed him information about the fact that the world as he experienced it was not real. And that uh, the, in fact, if he, he, he and everyone around him was experiencing time in what he called orthogonal time. So it was like time at a right angle to the real flow of time. And if you could see the real time around you, you would realize that we were all actually in the fourth century, the fourth Christian century um, under the heel of the Roman empire which had never fallen, and that, uh, that everything that we see around us is not true. Now, the reason I love this so much is not only because he wrote several really good books about it, including one bona fide classic called Valus, but also because he interrogated this deeply held belief that he had experienced and he could not deny. He interrogated it and doubted himself to the point that he wrote thousands of pages of ruminations on this topic, which you can actually buy the distilled version of. It's called um, uh, The Exegesis of Philip K. Dick. And so I actually did a three and a half hour show separately on Philip K. Dick and Christian Gnosticism and like the way that he looked at the world, because I think it has a lot to say to all of us, whether we believe in his particular pink light uh, fascination or not. But so that is that is the least crazy of the four craziest, <laughs> but it's also super interesting to me because I think that it is also like a unique um, effort by a truly honest intellectual person to examine his own beliefs 
while also being unable to not believe them. Wow. So, so yeah, that's a lot to take in. Examine. (laughs) He's trying to debunk his own beliefs. Is that what you're saying? Sometimes, sometimes he was, sometimes he believed it was absolutely true. Sometimes he thought that there was a completely different reason for it. Like the Soviets were testing something by implanting visions in the heads of artists using like either telepaths or some sort of other like he went through every possible permutation of what this could be because he could not deny the reality of it. I mean, there's there's all kinds of elements of this. He, like it, like I said, it went on for a couple of months. It was triggered by this young woman wearing a Jesus fish pendant, dropping off some medicine for his son. Um, and then like a couple of days after that, he had an experience of just visually seeing just thousands of abstract art pictures of like the quality of a Kandinsky, just one after the other, thousands and thousands of them, which he believed was maybe a way that information was being transmitted to his brain more efficiently than words. Like I, it is, this is one of those things that if you happen to be, be me is just catnip. Like I am so (laughs) fascinated by people whose brains work differently than mine. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's kind of really one of the main reasons that I've done the show. Um, But yeah, so I, I, I recommend Bayless and Philip K. Dick to anyone who's interested in that kind of thing. Wowzers. I'm familiar with his novels, uh, mm-hmm. which, you know, reading them ha- after seeing the films um, were more obtuse than the films, obviously. Like, yep. <laughs> I, I, if I think if Hollywood had a challenge adapting any of uh, Dick's work, this might be the, the yeah. pinnacle yeah. of them. I want to make sure that nobody thinks that uh, I, I'm not characterizing the, the, um, the experiences that Dick had as uh, induced by anything other than intellectual fervor, but uh, we would not, we're not laughing at anybody with a mental illness. Or no, 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 that, that, I, I'm definitely not either. I, I deeply respect this uh, intellectual journey that he went on, whatever the cause of it was. Like I, mm-hmm. I genuinely love this stuff. Yeah. And the uh, vigor with which one would also, uh, one, one thing that I think characterizes some pseudoscience and uh, conspiracy theories is there's a, a desire to actually believe them. And then the reasoning, um, uh, you know, the um, folks that did their independent research to determine that uh, the uh, COVID, <laughs> oh, yeah, um, yeah there, there are people who, who already, I think it's, I don't know if it's, I, I think it's inductive in which you already have your, your presumption and you're looking for um, mm-hmm. uh, evidence to support that so that you do not have to, um, um, change your opinion. So, um, but it sounds like Dick was definitely um, trying to examine the truth or w- what was really happening there. Yeah, he, he was fascinating. Guy. Wow. Okay, uh, Richard and Michael, uh, top that, losers. Uh, well, I'll I'll go first. Richard okay. went first last time, but um, I I'll start off with one which I considered like the a more fun one of our choices. Um, flat, flat, flat earthers oh, right um, seem to exist on this very special um, plane, pardon the pun, of believing something that is so easily proved wrong, their belief, but are so dug in that it's just, it's just unbelievable to that, that they go through this, entire process of describing something that you can see and I can explain to my almost five-year-old and he can understand. And I think that's what always gets to me is it's always like, but I, my kid can understand this. And what is, how does it, how do we ever get to the point where I, I think what it comes down to is that it's not just that the earth is flat is that somebody is benefiting by the earth being round and the concept of the earth being round, which gets into the conspiracy of it in part, right? It, like, obviously, uh, fearful, you've done a lot more research than I have. I just find it, you know, mildly amusing. But um, that NASA is a sham to make money somehow, that all these, the, the government is propagating uh, the earth being round to make money. Like, all of it seems, there seems to be an, uh, a devilishness behind the earth being round that I don't, I don't really quite know who's benefiting. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> big sphere. Big sphere. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, spo- spoiler alert. That is actually my number one. Uh, that is the craziest conspiracy theory. Oh, like, okay. In, in my, in my, in my We're okay whatever to double kind up. of expert cool. opinion, um, I think flat earth, you have to deny everything that we know about essentially everything to believe <laughs> flat earth. It is just by definition. You have to be willing, not only, I mean, Michael, you nailed it on the head. They are insistent that somebody's making money. They are a hundred percent certain that someone is now, sometimes it's uh, extreme biblical literalists who go beyond denying evolution and point out that there are certain Bible verses, especially in the Old Testament, where it is very clear that the Bible is laying out that the earth has four actual physical corners that it is uh, that it is encased in a dome. When they say the firmament in uh, like uh, the story of Noah and all that, they mean the firmament is the sky, but the sky is actually a dome. Like it is like a glass dome and the water came from the firmament and from the deep. So like the water in, no- they, as they understood it, there's water up there. Like mm. it, it is, we are in a snow globe for all intents and purposes. Mm. This is so obviously not true like you can't, you can't even figure out how to talk to a person about how wrong they are. Yeah. And, and so that, that just has to take the cake as far as I'm concerned. Like you're right. They, they are. And then the other problem is that, and by the way, I did two hours on this. So you can, you can look through the RSS feed. Um, uh, there's a lot of really good books on this and, and, and various stuff. But what, one of the other things is there's a huge problem in trying to figure out who's sincere in flat earth and who isn't because there is sure. a lot of trolling like some of the major flat earth organizations from its heyday a few years ago um were definitely trolls but then there are other people who one billion percent believe this and uh it, it's mind-blowing wow it's, it's almost like it's like uh i think of some, some like the you know kind of more like you said the trolling aspect of conspiracies um like i first thought of how ridiculous um just the trolling was on like the flying spaghetti monster and how mm-hmm. that grew into like this uh, kind of faux religion back in the day that was just it was just there to kind of uh, mock um, kind of very overly um, religious people and then uh, right. my wife pointed out something uh, recently uh, birds aren't real which I had not heard of in any way I was I, like I what are you that. talking I and I was that. like I, I have to what do you mean? She's like, oh yeah, look up birds. They're fake. And I was like, what, what is this? And I had to look it up and it's just this, uh, this ridiculous trolling um, person and community that's grown out of it. That's built, built on this other idea that birds, um, birds aren't real. They're all drones or there's, there's someone's watching us. Um, <laughs> it's genius. It's so good. Like there may be that birds used to exist and they were replaced or maybe birds never existed and they were always uh, fake by, by the government. So, you know. Yeah. And, and I appreciate what I appreciate about the birds are, are real uh, uh, performance art hoax. So let's call it whatever so you want to call it is that now that the conspiracy theorists have actually taken on birds aren't real as a conspiracy theory, mm-hmm. not the birds aren't real, but they claim that birds aren't real is actually a CIA covert ops uh program designed to discredit conspiracy theories well, so don't, they, don't don't so worry they, they will go ahead i was gonna say they've taken the andy kaufman bit and created their own conspiracy theory around it it's just mm-hmm. fascinating to me it, it it will that uh conspiracy theories will swallow whatever you put in front of them and and absorb it and turn it into something they can use by the way um i do just do expect that at some point they will be blaming the the birds conspiracy on they've started with the cia but it will eventually go to one of the following three groups this is fearful jesuits um i can't remember why i called it but it's like maxim of universal conspiracy constants inevitably the person to blame the group to blame behind every single conspiracy at some point is either the uh the uh jews oh yeah the illuminati uh, slash the freemasons or the space aliens or some combination of those three mm-hmm. every single one of them every time once it gets crazy enough they're going to blame one of those three groups i love that that's your jimmy the greek style prediction for- <laughs> oh yeah no it's it's just there is there is no question every one of them as yeah. it gets crazier devolves into thinking one of those groups is behind it 
Okay, so I, I in another uh, role that I have as a freelance uh, um, video editor, <laughs> uh, took money from Flat Earthers to do this very short video. Uh, oh, I love <laughs> it. Very Jeff. short, Jeff, very Jeff, short Jeff news Jeff. bulletin uh, to promote a gathering of the Flat Earth Society, North Carolina, or something like that. And um, uh, one thing that I noticed in the photo that was provided by this organization, I did not say there was this flat <laughs> but i said these these idiots are meeting up is basically what i said um one thing i noticed in the photo they sent me was some uh very fringe looking persons uh people in what looked like kind of like hand-me-down survivalist gear um uh at the kind of the crux were these very kind of uh apology like men uh and and their wives and kids around them kind of like looking a little bit almost like apologetic like um, you know, I'd leave this idiot, but we've got three kids together and I don't know what to do, you know, yep. uh, and, and a community around them in which maybe they don't, um, uh, support or believe entirely what they say, but in some cases, what harm are they doing? This is just something that they like to <laughs> do when they drink on, on weekends is talk about how the earth is flat. And well, yeah, that, that's also something that I, I agree with. I've referred to flat earth as a a conspiracy theory that I'm actually kind of I I, I have a certain love for like chemtrails because they're not hurting anybody. Yeah. Um, that there is the one guy who flew in a rocket and eventually uh, died uh, because he kept trying to create new rockets. But apparently that guy was trying to create rockets before he joined in with the flat Earth Society. Oh. So he was kind of going to do that to himself at some point. <laughs> and then somebody shot somebody else with a crossbow in Australia in an argument about flat Earth. But other than that, the body and I don't think they died. So. As near as I can tell, the body count is one death by inadvertent suicide and zero other people have died from flat earth, which unfortunately you can't say about anti-vax or QAnon. But what about all the people who who took a boat and went off the side of the earth? <laughs> they all died. That's a lot <laughs> of deaths right point. there. Un underreported, underreported. <laughs> tragic. Well, it... it... Okay. Uh, does this mean that now, Richard and Michael, since we have now heard... Um, Fearful's first and final choice. Then Richard and Michael, do you want to go with uh, your second choice? Yeah, we can do okay. it. We can, okay. we can do that. Okay. Um, and Fearful mentioned it. It's mentioned the JFK assassination. Okay. And I, I, I do completely agree with him that in the crux of it, that maybe it wasn't Lee Harvey Oswald acting alone. Maybe there were some outside forces who were involved. Is something where if, if it's not probable or likely there's at least a grain of, of plausibility in there that allows people to kind of grab onto it. That being said, there are some batshit crazy JFK conspiracy theories out there that go well beyond it was the mob or it was Cubans or it yeah. was the Soviets. My favorite one is a guy named Milton William Cooper um, who was known for uh, spreading the word about a project Luna, which is the secret alien base. It's on the dark side of the moon, oh. which we all know about that. Yeah. Um, and then later on, he, he promoted the idea that JFK was assassinated because he was about to expose project Luna and all of the collusion that had been taking place between Washington and aliens. And that there was some sort of gas pressure device that aliens had given to the driver of the limo that, that was used to, uh, to off him. Basically, hmm. that's that's my favorite of all the crate, the, the, the really out there JFK assassination theories and the JFK assassination world is this broad umbrella. It can take in people who have a very, you know, have uh, degrees in history and physics who are really looking at it from a very scientific and, and, and well thought out perspective. And it can bring in people who think that aliens must have killed JFK. Hmm. There is this incredibly broad range of people who are interested in the JFK assassination and believe that something isn't right about it. And I'm fascinated with the idea that this can go from people who, who whose thought process tends to go towards things that are provable and plausible to some extent to people who clearly believe things that are just outside of the realm of possibility. Mm -hmm. Do you, uh, so what, one 
thing that I guess this is an observation. I don't know what I have to support it is that I feel like there is uh, a an audience for conspiracy that is found in persons who feel outside of the um, uh, that that are outside of the stream of mainstream information. So if you might meet a person who doesn't have a traditional uh, education, maybe they they don't have a they they exist outside of a certain channel of mainstream information or above it in the case of say celebrities. So uh, how many celebrities do we know who, who have maybe a large amount of wealth, a large amount of influence, and they somehow have kind of even risen above the facts that we get as plebeians, <laughs> you know, they, they almost, uh, so that's one thing I find is very interesting. You can't necessarily blame persons who, um, maybe they didn't have the access to, or didn't have the desire to, uh, consume the kind of science education that I might've had, or you might've had in school, but Gwyneth Paltrow can think whatever the hell she wants to, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. Um, but maybe that's an unfair characterization. Um, yeah. So, so I, I, I'm trying to make sure that I don't monopolize this conversation because I literally can talk about all of these things for like a dozen hours, as I have proven over and over <laughs> by doing that on my show. Yeah. But so number one, uh, I think you're absolutely right, Jeff, that uh, autodidacts are among the most difficult. First of all, they are among the best conspiracy theorists in terms of developing them. Like the folks who have taught themselves have they tend to be very intelligent and they've also had to learn things on their own and try things out. And so they are very good at creating and then defending their theories. So I think you're a hundred percent right there. And Richard, I can't believe you brought up Milton William Cooper because, uh, uh okay. Slight, slight sidetrack. My, my band uh, that does all the songs for the show, it's all original music also. It's, uh, but <clears throat> so we usually have a song per episode, um, at least, we did a two and a half hour rock opera over the Christmas break um, on the top. That's actually true on the topic. It's fully like narrated and, and produced in a studio. And uh, yeah, I, on the subject of the January 6th uh, Capitol riots um, as related to the show. Um, so it all fits in with the show's ridiculous cosmology and, and like the, the, the nonsense. Um, but the, there's quite a sort of a number of characters that have developed with the show over the years, but um so we are planning next year to do a similar project that is entirely centered around William Cooper. Um, and the JFK assassination theory that he has is one of my favorite things that he ever talked about because he was trying to convince people that if you watch the Zapruder film right, you can see the driver, the driver of JFK's limo shooting him <laughs> somehow <What>? right. <laughs> while driving. <laughs> that if you properly watch it, you can really see this and it's obvious. Well, if I can eat a Big Mac in my car with one hand, right. it's basically the same thing as shooting the president. It's almost identical. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I'm I hope you'll uh, give us a link to where we could share out where you to to publish on, I don't know, SoundCloud or Spotify. Oh, this so rock so we, we, we do have it on on SoundCloud, but it's just the songs. But you can get the, the, the whole album in my RSS feed. Like it's just two episodes of the show next to each oh, other. Oh, great. 9116 parts one and two. And it's like I, I, I didn't write most of the songs. It's uh, the band leader for the band. But um, if you listen through to the show, like the, the, the last episode of the show, I think there were like 12 original songs in the soundtrack by the time we got finished. Like wow. it's uh, nice. If you can overdo something, I overdo it. Like that's pretty much, <laughs> pretty much my approach. Well, I, we overdid our, I think uh, our uh, first half with a lot of great chat. So I'm going to uh, do our intermission. And that is when we implore listeners uh, to go out on our social handles, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter and follow like, poke thumb up or whatever the current thing you do is and then do us a solid we've been doing this podcast for six years and um we always uh, are inspired by suggestions that listeners give us so if you have a topic suggestion it could even be something like the topic we have this week which is a derivation of an original 
topic in which maybe you think we didn't quite cover it thoroughly. So yeah, let us know what you want us to talk about. Previous suggestors of topics have ended up being guests on our podcast. It's not mandatory, but it's possible. And at uh, this point, uh, I want us to check in again uh, and ask Fearful to, to plug uh, their podcast again. Okay, sure. The, uh, the I, I mean, I guess maybe I'll plug those uh, two, um, uh, that, that sort of uh, two-part album. Um, it's called 9116. Um, again, I'm not responsible for that title, but it's basically connecting 9-11 and 1-6 um, and also doing an homage to Rush. Yeah. Uh, oh, also, I, I should mention that I have a dedicated artist for the show who does a different um, illustration for literally every single episode. So um, so he did full album covers and uh, and liner notes. And there's all the lyrics actually appear on the fake uh, record albums that uh, we have linked from the show notes like it, it it truly is a ridiculous production um so anyway I, i'd love for everybody to listen to that and you just scroll down a little bit and you'll find it uh in the feed it was uh january 6th uh when we released or yeah i think it was january 6th because we were trying to do the anniversary but 9116 uh it's different than the rest of the show but it's got a lot of the flavor of the show right on cool so uh thank you for plugging that and we can i think link in the show notes or the episode uh to all those things so well, let's jump into uh fearful's third choice for craziest conspiracy theories okay um so uh the, the this is I, I mean if we're going from craziest this is my second and it's really tough because uh the 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 uh the third craziest and the second craziest um i i normally call this one the second craziest conspiracy theory that exists and it's QAnon. so um, as uh, you'll note from what I was saying earlier in the, the uh, episode, I am spending a year-ish talking about QAnon because I think it's incredibly important and I think it is eating other conspiracy theories. So what I mean when I say that is, for example, after the January 6th riot, um, when nothing that Q had promised was going to happen, by the way, sorry, does every, like, I, I don't know if your audience knows what QAnon is, QAnon is a series of posts on uh, some of the internet's least uh, palatable message boards that have insisted that they are by a person with secret uh, energy department Q clearance um, that has uh, maintained that Donald Trump is actually uh, trying to fight against an international child sex trafficking ring, um, it, which almost all Democrats, a bunch of prominent Republicans, um, like the Queen of England, uh, uh, Tom Hanks, uh, Steven Spielberg, and a bunch of other celebrities are involved in where they either molest children or like terrify them so that they can drink their adrenochrome to stay young. So anyway, it's totally <laughs> sane. Um, and uh, and that this is a real thing and it is huge and it is growing. And if you look at any Donald Trump rallies, you will see QAnon and where we go one, where we go all, which is their slogan, even though it makes absolutely no sense. Um, and uh, like, you'll, you'll just see a ton of this stuff uh, involved. And QAnon um, just keeps mutating as nothing that Q says comes true year after year after year. Um, so Hillary Clinton was supposed to be arrested back in 2017. Still waiting on that one. Uh, you, you know, that none of these things have happened. So what they have started doing is adapting other conspiracy theories into their conspiracy theories. So for example, they started insisting after January 6th, 2021, that um, Donald Trump was going to be reinstated on March 4th, 2021. Not sure why that was the date, but that he was going to become the 19th president of the United States. Now, you might be confused because he had been the 45th president of the United States, but that's because they had grabbed onto this sovereign citizen nonsense that says that since Ulysses S. Grant, the government of the United States has actually been an illegally constituted corporation that sells our labor to international bankers. By the way, that's where the Jews come in. It always comes to the Jews, the oh Illuminati, or the aliens, I'm telling you. <laughs> so um, that's always the code that they want to use to to just misrepresent Jewish people. So, um, uh, so, they, um, uh, so they started adapting this, which because Trump will destroy this, it, uh, this false corporate version of the United States, he will then become the 19th president of the United States because we haven't had an actual president 
since Grant. Wow. So that's why I think they're super crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, uh, fearful listening to you describe QAnon is like reading the first draft of the Star Wars by George Lucas, where like you read through it and none of it makes sense. And you know, I, there's like an inkling of like, uh, like sense in there, like, but uh-huh. that was amazing. Well, yeah, it's, it's what I deal with all the time mm-hmm. for some reason. So, so, uh, this is actually how, you know, uh, evolution works, right? You know, the right. things, uh, need to adapt and uh, mutate and, mm-hmm. uh, and, do you think there's something about storytelling in which, um, uh, you know, that w- when, like the, um, I forget, what do you call it with those, those uh, preachers who say the apocalypse is going to be on a certain day or doomsday is going to happen on a certain day. And then that day goes by and they, they find some reason why it wasn't that day at all. <laughs> it was another day. But it seems like what QAnon is is doing is finding compelling stories that exist in the uh in the, the crazy pants mindset and then uh, latching onto those kind of pigging piggybacking on those maybe like madonna throughout the 80s and 90s like uh <laughs> finding yeah finding a new identity uh when the one she was using uh aged out so so in a way it's kind of um dealing with the power of mythology and story Oh, it a hundred percent is. And once again, I could spend six hours answering the thing you just said. Um, I will uh, very briefly say that um, you're absolutely correct that it is an evolutionary uh, meme, right? It's it, it's a meme that is evolving in order to stay relevant because otherwise they die, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like any other evolving thing, but it's actually even better because they are not just passively waiting to absorb other things. They are actively creating new nonsense realities from anything that comes up. They Mm. accused Wayfair of selling um, industrial grade furniture that, that, you know, that's specially made for like science labs and stuff that costs like $15,000. And because it had, they had like human names associated with them. They were accusing them of actually shipping children to pederasts throughout the world because nobody would order a cabinet that cost $15,000 that was named like Laura or whatever. And they started trying to match them up to missing children reports. And like one of the supposedly missing children uh, who was real irate about it, got on TikTok and was like, I'm not fucking missing. Like, what are you talking about? Like just started <laughs> screaming at these people. Like, who, who do you think you are? It, so, so yeah, it's fantastic. And the other thing I'll say is that there's a great book called the storyteller's paradox by Jonathan Gottschall that I just read for the current episodes that I'm doing that is specifically about the problem. He's a guy who just studies stories and their importance. And he wrote a book about how stories are our best empathy um, vehicle and how great they are. So this one's about how bad storytelling is and how it leads to every, it, like it, oh. it is a two, well, it is a two way sword, right? Yeah. Um, uh, QAnon is an extremely compelling story. It's insane, but it is extremely compelling. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, you know, if people, people believe good storytellers and so the, the problem is when they can get them to completely disconnect from reality. Wow. Wow. Okay. This is so much to drink in, <laughs> uh, Richard and Michael, what do you got? Um, our third choice is, um, we touched upon it earlier. It's the, um, nine 11 truthers conspiracy that, um, well, I don't know which one you want to, which one you want to choose. There's like you know a, a handful of them, but basically that um, uh, that 9/11 was an inside job that there was explosive planted within the World Trade Center to bring it down. That the um, crashing of the planes into the uh, World Trade Center couldn't actually you know uh, weaken the building. That something else, the, the, the government was involved. They knew that this was happening. All of this stuff is just built into um, just this kind of, you know, it's a very American story of about paranoia and the government and the CIA all working against the, you know, our uh, our people um, because they have other interests that they need to distract from or a, a reason for 
uh, you know, sowing doubt within another country so that we can attack them, giving ourselves, um, you know, kind of leeway to um, pursue our interests around the world. But it's just one of those things where it's like, man, I, th I think what it is, is I'm always really disappointed when I find one of our friends oh, yeah. kind of dabbles in it and believes in it that you'll see like a little bit too much of a person liking something on Facebook. And then you're just like, oh, no, not you. Oh, yeah. And I think specifically with like 9-11 trutherism, it seems like you did see a giant plane crash into the building, right? Like that could have. Mm -hmm. It doesn't seem that inconceivable that not only one plane, but two planes hit these buildings and like it knocked them down. Like those little things that like stand out that I think is like the infallible or the um, just the, uh, the sadness of seeing someone go down that rabbit hole and that there's something in them that leads them to believe this thing that doesn't seem at all possible. Mm -hmm. You know what? I, I It occurs to me that... I felt the same trauma that others did when they saw this thing that is at its core unbelievable. So seeing those, seeing the footage on that day was like watching a apocalyptic, um, a tragic film, um, the likes of Dante's peak or, or you know, the, the, there were the volcano movies and the, the hurricane movies and the typhoon movies and all those things. And, there's a sense of trauma that you have. And I remember feeling, you know, I've heard some people explain um, belief in certain um, pseudosciences as almost like a, a reaction to trauma or you're in almost a shock. So from mm. something that happened, so you say it must've been a UFO or something like that. But uh, I, I understand exactly what you're talking about though, because that I, I know that I'm due back in reality after going through that, that trauma, but I think others, find a lot of comfort in those stories um, that help create some, maybe some justification that almost matches the, the type of disbelief that they had when they first wit witnessed that, that horrific <laughs> vision that that was, but yeah. So you will be unsurprised to know that A, I did two episodes on this and B, I have okay. some uh, some very decided opinions. <laughs> so um, We're I, grateful uh, for those opinions. We're grateful. Well, so I, um, first of all, uh, saw one of the World Trade Centers fall with my own eyes from Herald Square in oh, New wow. York mm. because uh, I was working at uh, Rockefeller Center and had just walked down 57 flights of stairs and was walking south uh, toward my apartment um, when literally the, uh, the skyscraper collapsed in front of me. Like I, uh, uh, oh, it, was, it was the second one. You couldn't see, like the first one had already collapsed, but there was so much smoke that I couldn't see that it had actually collapsed. And there were people talking about it having collapsed, but I hadn't seen it. So I didn't really believe it because I'm kind of a have to see it to believe it guy. Um, uh, but then I literally saw the second one like fall uh, 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 from where I was standing. So um, yeah, so I, I take the 9-11 thing pretty seriously. Um, I actually introduced the first of those episodes um, with a sort of audio pastiche of me and all of my friends and like what we actually did that day um, and what our experience was like trying to get back to safety. Um, I had one friend uh, who very, very nearly died. Um, he was uh, uh, he, he was uh, right down on Wall Street and was uh, like it, it, huge chunks of masonry were hitting the, the ground right around him. So um, he yeah, he barely made it. Um, but then the other thing is when I went to do those shows, my oldest uh, uh, closest friend is a sort of very mild 9-11 truther. He's also uh, almost just argumentatively a we didn't go to the moon guy. Um, he more mm. just thinks that one's fun. But <laughs> so uh, I, I organized the 9-11 episode around trying to explain to him why his doubts about what had happened don't really add up to a coherent story. And so I interviewed him and then I did the whole show and then I showed him what I had learned and then I interviewed him again and we talked about it. And so I thought that was a really um, solid way to handle that. Um, I do recommend that episode, though I was much worse at audio production at that point. So there's some real spikes in the audio that I feel bad about. And if I ever had time, I would go back and fix. But 
Um, but anyway, uh, uh, so yes, uh, 9-11 truth is, um, it was a very weird phenomenon. And uh, interestingly, in my research, I learned that it peaked during uh, the 2004 election to 2006. And actually when uh, Bush's, uh, when Bush's party lost seats, um, it tended to sort of, uh, it, it faded in terms of importance because people at least felt like uh, somebody was pushing back against the Bush administration, which, you know, so th this was to some extent channeling political angst um, about mm -hmm. the Bush administration at the time, uh, which is interesting because most of our contemporary conspiracy theories come from the right, but 9-11 truth was largely uh, a conspiracy theory of the left. So Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, and not not entirely. There are plenty of people who are 9-11 sure, truthers sure. who are also QAnon now, but like the original reporting uh, was by a French uh, reporter named Thierry Melanson, I believe, um, who wrote a book that got translated like a year later and started to really hit in the United States around like 2003. Um, and then from there, domestic uh, lunatics took it and, <laughs> and uh, it made it really super crazy where you had like the planes were holograms and, uh, you know, like, uh, th yeah, there's, there's some real choice um, audio that I clipped from various weird YouTube videos um, and, and strewed throughout the uh, episode. But yeah, um, that, you know, that one, that one's a real personal one because, you know, <laughs> if you were there, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of, uh, hey, fuck you, you know, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's really, yeah. eh, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, so in the interest of time, let's keep plowing forward. Uh, fearful. What is your final choice? And I, so, I, I realize it's not. We've heard your final one, right? Uh, the, right. Okay. Yeah. This is the second craziest, just okay. because flat Earth actually denies all of physics. That's the only reason, and this is the only <laughs> one that I haven't done the full research on because I'm waiting until I do the UFOs year. Um, but it's uh, David Ike and his. Lizard people run the world. Interdimensional lizard people run the world. Conspiracy theory is so deliciously crazy. Um, I, I really, I can't wait to tear off big chunks of it. Um, he's another one who dances around very closely with anti-Semitism. It's just rife in a lot of these uh, stories. Um, but he is also, um, he's one of those people who will latch on to things like the Illuminati or whatever else, but then his explanation is, but actually the Illuminati are trans-dimensional lizard people. And oh. again, if people aren't familiar with this, lizard people run the world and they're all of the major political figures and celebrities and everything else. And you can see their lizard eyes at certain points if the camera catches them in the correct way. And they either feed on human fear or something um, I, again, I haven't done all the research on this one, so I'm not quite as, uh, as well-versed as I would be, but just on its face, it is, uh, oh, it's so stupid. It's so, so <laughs> stupid. I love it so much. I don't know why I'm like this, but I really, really love it because it's so dumb. Wow. Okay. It, where, where, where did, when did this originate? Do you, do you know so, what's the vintage uh, of this? I think, uh, so David Icke is a, I, I think, again, I'm, I'm really on shaky ground here because I've, I've held this one off, but I believe he's a former British uh, soccer player um, who has just become famous by promulgating this one big idea, which is like the global elites are trying to screw you over, which yeah, maybe so, but those global elites are lizards. Okay. You kind of lose me there. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, and he's, this has just been his claim to fame. He's written god-awful numbers of books about this. Um, he appears in all kinds of other conspiracy theorists, uh, conspiracies. Like he is sort of the, he is the guy who is the lizard people guy. Like that's, that's his metier. And he gives speeches all around the world to other people who have very low standards for evidence. Wow. Okay. All right. Okay. That's a, that's a, I, I like you going out on that one. So I, I appreciate it. Thanks. That. I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, Richard and Michael, uh, so fearful uh, did not live up to his name. He, he had zero fear of you. Uh, as, as he should. Yeah. He was, he knew he was going to, I think, do a 360 high flying slam dunk on, on you, you idiots as soon as he I just spent all of my time doing this. Like yeah. if I weren't, up to this, then that, that would be really embarrassing. Yeah, he, he might be fearful of things, but it, it ain't Richard and Michael from the Mount Rushmore. <laughs> so, uh, but gentlemen, uh, what is your last attempt? All right, so our last failed attempt 
our, our great our, our best failed attempt at week uh is the paul is dead rumors oh love wow it. fun okay love that, it that uh that circulated around the beatles about 1969 right around the time the beatles were breaking up um where these rumors started popping up on local radio stations and student newspapers and elsewhere that paul mccartney had actually been killed back in uh night thing of, i think it's supposed to be 1966 november 9th you there was could a car be right you could be right yeah that there, there was a car accident and paul had been decapitated and in order to keep the band going and to save the general public from the overwhelming grief that this news would cause, they decided to hire a sound alike and a look alike to fill in for Paul McCartney. That's also one of the reasons why, hey, 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 that's why the Beatles stopped touring, because oh. you couldn't have a fake Paul up there trying to play, in, play an instrument and sing. But if you had it in the studio, you could bring in one guy to be the voice and another guy to... Uh, be the look of of Paul McCartney. And this actually got to the point where like a reporter from Life magazine was sent out to uh to interview Paul McCartney um about this theory. Like this was a cover story on Life magazine. The headline is The Case of the Missing Beetle, Paul is still with us. They actually this was believed enough that mainstream news actually reported on it like with this very serious like maybe paul mccartney is dead. <laughs> let's talk to paul to find out yeah. let's talk are you to, dead? let's talk to paul mccartney are you dead <laughs> well, no i'm not no <laughs> case closed nobody wow. could do that particular head wave except paul so um <laughs> the, the other thing is i've been promising the band leader my band leader that i'm going to do an all music conspiracy theories um mm. episode soon because he wrote a song for it like three years ago that's been sitting in the can and I really need to use it because it's great. Um, but yeah, I love the Paul is dead theory. Um, I also love the theory that Stephen King was actually Mark David Chapman uh, yes. who killed John Lennon because they do look weirdly similar. Um, uh, there's also a theory that uh, Alex Jones is actually uh, 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 the uh, deceased comedian, Bill Hicks. Um, cause again, they, they look kind of similar. Um, but, uh, the other, my favorite Beatles conspiracy theory that I'm going to be talking about is the theory that Philip, uh, uh, sorry, Theodore Adorno of the Frankfurt school of philosophers actually wrote and recorded all of the Beatles songs, um, <laughs> as an attempt to destroy, uh, American, uh, culture, uh, even though he avowedly hated pop music. <laughs> Uh, and had absolutely nothing to do with this, but like right-wingers believe that like it was a communist, like a, a, a socialist plot to create music that would uh, hypnotize and make uh, the youth easily brainwashed. So that's, that's, uh, I mean, that's my, I mean, that's even my octopus's garden theory. Yeah. <laughs> even octopus's garden. This, this, this uh, like weird, bitter German philosopher is just pounding out you know, uh, obla di obla da for some reason, you know, is uh, <laughs> I, I, where they got this. I have absolutely no idea. I'm real eager to follow it up. There's also some fun ones like Stevie Wonder can see ism. And oh, that was oh. that one that was, was actually, fantastic. That one was actually in our conspiracy theories. We kind of believe. Yeah, I, I know. That's a weird bit, bit of video, right? Like the man <laughs> just like reaches out and catches something in midair, right? I, um, and the proof is out there that's when i just do your own yeah. research yeah exactly yeah I, uh, I i okay i have some nostalgia for paul is dead because that was the first conspiracy theory that i think i was um uh uh taken taken by as a young beatles fan to the mm -hmm. point where i was playing ruining turntables playing songs <laughs> back, backwards and forwards and, and oh that's great trying to convince my friends turn up turn up this part of a day in the life and this is where a car crashes or something like that and pointing at abbey road and trying to f <laughs> find a paul is out of step and he's barefoot and this and this and this and this, mm -hmm. and this. but it was uh, uh the, what i find interesting is that gary lewis of gary lewis and the playboys was dead for for years before anybody knew uh no i'm just kidding um <laughs> the is there there's always something that is the kernel of that is there's some kind of compelling component 
to it. And was there something with the Paul is dead? Yeah, I don't, I don't know that one yet because I haven't started doing the research. Um, like I, I don't know how it exactly started, uh-huh. but it really just sprung up like wildfire. Like as Richard was saying, it became huge news very quickly. Yeah. Were they like the stones? Um, I know they were busted for, Paul was busted for marijuana, but I think that was after the Beatles. Yeah, that, that was, was after. That was in Japan later. Yeah, years. that was solo. Um, yeah, I think uh, uh, I, I, what I what I find fascinating about these stories is it always seems like there's some kind of, uh, like fearful pointed out, some kind of story element that may have morphed, hopped, hopped, uh, you know, from one thing to another and kind of landed in that story. Um, I I do believe that one of the major reasons for Beatlemania's popularity and is the zeitgeist, uh, the mindset after the JFK assassination and how Absolutely. this mania might not have been, of course it was global, it wasn't relegated just to the US, but this mania might not have impacted the culture so much had had we not wanted something to heal with. So yeah, uh, transferring that um, tragedy onto another figurehead might have been part of it but who who knows yeah it's also you, you know they i think of the beatles as one of the great miracles of, of 20th century history like the, the, just the sheer amount of talent and like exactly the right people at exactly the right time but you, you think about it even even and and i think there's a lot of validity to what you're saying about like a sort of release from the horror of jfk with, with, with them appearing just like four months later on uh, on american tv for the first time but you think about like what are the odds that the band that would capture that kind of zeitgeist would also prove to be some of the greatest musical artists that you could yeah. have? Like, like how, how does that, how do both halves of that happen? Like that is a mm-hmm. truly remarkable scenario. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm obsessed with the Beatles also. So yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm uh, right there with you. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you so much, uh, fearful for coming on our show. Really and- my pleasure. Uh, it's been a lot of fun and you've given us such great interest in uh, uh, going on and and hearing more from your podcast, uh, knowing that it's not just um, a typical uh, couple of dudes rambling on like we do on our podcast, but there's excellent production values and not just a commentary, but music. (laughs) There's so much to look forward to, to our listeners. Um, but uh, you, you promo at best, let, let folks know the title again and where they can find it. Uh, thank you. Thank you guys so much. This has really been a blast. I look forward to digging through your archives as well. Um, it is called the paranoid strain. It comes out every two weeks. Um, and, uh, it's available where all, uh, you know, podcasts are available. Just look for this, uh, very distinct paranoid, uh, like worried eye looking through blinds, um, and uh, that you'll you'll find us there. Awesome. Okay, so it's time to do some scoring. I I, I know Richard and Michael were optimistic that they'd give you a um a, a run for your uh, uh money, but uh, they Rich, Richard he's the, the government's got to him again. Big scoring got to him. He's he's been paid off by big conspiracy podcasts. Yeah. And uh, but I will say you'll get one because uh. Paul is dead was uh, something that um, was kind of a mind blower for me as a young person. So y'all get that, but the rest is going to go to uh, our guest fearful. And because I'd never heard of it and I'm a big fan of Philip K. Dick, um, maybe not big enough, I guess. Um, Valus, the Philip K. Dick um, uh, conspiracy theory. What's the, again, the, book of that the exigency Uh, so the exegesis is um just his writings on these events um it's uh edited by among others jonathan lethem uh it's it's a i mean if you're a phil k dick like that psychotic then it's uh it's really really good reading but if you want to read his books that are centered around that it's basically valis um the transmigration of timothy archer uh the divine invasion I think those are the main ones okay. um, that, that have directly to do with that. And then if you are interested, I can offer, um, I had two different shows that I called the reality shows that were about trying to, you know, if I think of my show as a defense of reality, then I needed to talk about how little we actually know about how to define reality. So Ooh. there's one, ep- there's one three and a half hour episode that's uh, like the entire history 
of philosophers and scientists trying to explain reality, along mm -hmm. with a bunch of stuff like the Mandela effect and, and other topics. And then there's one whole episode that's Philip K. Dick and Christian Gnosticism and uh, other similar sort of like narrative artists who've tried to take on like what it means, what reality means, what it means to be human, how we know what we know about anything. So. Wow, cool. So going, it seems like build, building upon and around the topic of just a conspiracy theory. So that's- Yeah, exactly. That's really cool. I, I, I try to, to try to expand the, okay. the genre a little bit. Cool. So I don't know if I finished scoring, but let's go with interdimensional lizard people. And how about we split it with uh, flat earthers? Because Michael and Richard. That seems fair. Shows that, yeah. And I don't want to say the other one because fuck those guys. Okay. So um, uh, very grateful you for your participation, fearful uh, Jesuit. Uh, this has been a blast. Uh, uh, Michael and Richard are just weeping and just they just got smacked down so hard. Um, this has been. The Mount Rushmore of a crazy conspiracy theories. I'm always Jeff. I am Dracon the Lizard. <laughs> oh, I did it again, guys. Oh, no. Sorry. Uh, I'm Richard. I'm Michael. <laughs>